Thank you and good morning. What an honor it is to come and be before you today and for however long the Lord sees that uh, we should do this together. You're in a time of change and transition and we'll be seeking new leadership going forward and I know God uh, loves the church overall today that worships him all around the world. God loves this church. I've said before, uh, you, you have a wonderful reputation for a couple things at least. One is the worship. I mean, to be here with this, uh, in this worship service is really a remarkable thing, to listen to the singing. And uh, I can tell you love the Lord. And for people to, that would come in here and be a part of this, to know that is just a remarkable thing. And you have a wonderful reputation of loving the Word of God. Am I, am I right on that? And I do too, because I believe in the God of this book. I believe he is the author. I believe he is the author and finisher of our faith. I believe the future belongs to those who believe this book is true. Let's go to the word today. Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him going into heaven. God bless his inerrant, inspired, Fallible, sufficient word. This is a story of the church. This is actually the beginning of the church. We get into a couple weeks of our study and we will actually experience the very birth of the church. But God in his great wisdom and judgment knows how to build all things in the right way. 
And before the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost, God gave in his word here instructions about what the church should be. It was, if you will, the kingdom curriculum. I guess you'd expect an old professor to talk about curriculum at some point in time. But that's what was happening here. God builds his church the right way, in just the way he wants it, with just the people he wants to be involved, just like you sitting here today. You think you're here by accident? I do not believe that. I believe you're here today, and I'm here today by divine appointment. And God is speaking to the church. And uh, think about the people for a moment, will you, that he uses. Sometimes it's the most remarkable thing that God would use me. I still can't believe sometimes when I stand up to present the message of God that people will take time to listen to what I say. Or how about any of us? Who are we that we should be chosen of God to be a part of his church and minister in the name of Jesus? Only by grace and his empowerment could that ever happen. I, you know, we're talking about the disciples here, 12 that Jesus chose to be with him. And think about them for just a moment. I mean, they were not paragons of virtue. They were weak in many, many ways. They were weak in faith. They were reprimanded by the Lord on several occasions for their weak faith. They performed very poorly at times. How about during Christ's arrest? Were they good that night? How about during the crucifixion? They had failed in public. They had failed in private. How about Peter, the rock? I mean, here's a guy who denies he even knew Jesus because a little servant girl challenged him. All but John wouldn't even come to the cross. And when Jesus appeared after the resurrection to those men he had chosen, they were cowering behind closed doors. And yet God used them to change the world. You know, of the early preaching in the church, you know what they were, they were charged with when they left Pentecost and began preaching to the uttermost parts of the earth? Here was the charge. They have set the world upside down. May we be guilty as charged. Let's set Vero upside down. Let's start with this church. Let's set it upside down. So... I'm just going to give a simple exposition today of this scripture that I read for you on the kingdom curriculum. What is God building in his church? What did he want the foundation to be so that he could birth the church on the day of Pentecost and set like wildfire this message around the earth? And the first thing I want to suggest as a foundation was this. He would say, teach Jesus. I mean, that seems so obvious, but that is not obvious in lots of places anymore. Where the churches have gone crazy different directions, where men and men of the Scripture have turned from the Word of God and desecrated it in so many ways. 
It is time to stand up, church, and believe the message in its early foundation and that it all centers in Christ. This is how Luke, Dr. Luke began to his friend Theophilus. That were, his name meant lover of God. Isn't that great? He's, he's explaining the, the scripture to the lover of God. And he says, oh, Theophilus, this is, this is what we're teaching. Jesus and all he began to do and to teach. This is why the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2.2, For I am determined, I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This was the message of the church. It is the basic content of the Christian faith that Jesus alone is the Savior of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Teach Jesus. Philippians 1.9 says, This I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Teach Jesus. Paul was expressing this need for growing in the depth and knowledge of the Lord. My desire when I speak to you on Sunday mornings will be this, that you walk away knowing more about the Lord than you did when you came. And if we go to the scripture, that is absolutely happening. And we drive deep. We don't, it's not a surface thing. This is life. This is eternal life. To know God the Father and Jesus whom he has sent. Teach Jesus and dive deep into his heart and his life. Uh, while teaching at Warner one, one day in this subject of Christology, um, I was trying to drive pretty deep with the students, and afterwards, uh, one of the guys came up to me and said, you know, President Hall, I mean, I, I love this. You know, I love the Lord, and I love the Scripture, but sometimes, man, when you talk, my head hurts. And I said, you know what? You're a college guy. Your head is supposed to hurt. No, I don't want you to hurt, but I want you to dive deep. I want us to go to the depths of the knowledge of who this Savior is. Colossians 1.9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and listen, and increasing in the knowledge of God according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. So Dr. Luke says, Theophilus, I want you to see everything he did, everything he taught. By the way, those always go together. You will never have an opportunity to teach anybody anything if the life doesn't live up to what the message proclaims. Jesus knew that, and so he was very clear to walk before us in the way that we should walk. I thought about that this past year for, for over a year now in, in our fellowship in Lake Wales. I've been preaching through the book of Romans, and I was very anxious to get to Romans 8.28 because I love that verse, 
And uh, in a day and age when people say, hey, you know what? There's no guarantee in life. You just got to take what comes. There's no guarantees about anything. I want to say, oh, yes, there is. And it's found in Romans 8.20. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. But I did find out in my study that Romans 8.28 screams for being taken out of context because you want to read 28 you got to read 29 with it. And this is what it says. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. So the goal is to be conformed to the image of his son in what we teach and how we live. I've asked myself this question. If that is God's goal for me, I wonder how much change I can expect in my life. If I am to be conformed to the image of God, teach Jesus. The second part of the curriculum is this, teach confidence. And I get that from verse number three. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking of the kingdom of God. We've got to build confidence in the church today, and we can. I mean, I want you to pay attention to what happened here. This was like a, not only Dr. Luke, but this was Luke the apologist. He's telling me, I'm, I'm telling you, Theophilus, we've got the proof that this is true. Many convincing proofs Jesus gave. He appeared to us for over a period of 40 days before he was taken away. We saw him. We listened to him. We touched him. He was presented alive, I tell you. And we have confidence in this because of the Scripture. Which I'm going to tell you, if there is one thing that is happening in the world today, and the, and the devil knows this, the way to break apart the church, the way to break apart the Christian message is to attack the Word of God. The Word of God has always been under attack. It happened in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say... Of that fruit. There is no more important business of the church than to stand up for the scripture and to build it up as the inspired and errant and fallible, sufficient word of God. And this is what Dr. Luke is teaching, and he appeared to them and he spoke of the kingdom. Psalm 103 19. The Lord has established his thrones in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Build confidence in that truth. The apostles who were once cowardly and fearful were changed and transformed for eternity by this message. Now the preaching of the kingdom can proceed with the power the world has never known. And he invites every one of us to be a part of what he's doing. And so the third point in the curriculum is this. Teach power. How about verses 4 and 5? Is the truth he was teaching about when he told them they should go to Jerusalem and wait? For which he said, you heard from me about this promise. Verse number 5, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And actually, when he said those words, it would be 10 days. Now, the point I want to make is this. 
It is important in the work of the ministry to be prepared and to be trained. I believe in that. I spent 25 of my years of my life training young people to know the truth of God's word and to go out in whatever vocation they went out and use it as a, as a vehicle to be an emissary and ambassador for Christ. And I'll tell you, I believe in preparation and training. But as I have been a part of God's church now for these many years of my life, and as I think about the future and what, what is in store for the church, I know this, that preparation and training is important, but unless and until the man is full and woman is full of the Holy Spirit of God, there is nothing that will happen of any eternal significance. This thing called church is the work of the Holy Spirit. And we're being invited to participate. Can you imagine that? The great power of God is at work in his church and wants to come upon the church and individuals in the church. And God is saying to you today, listen, I want to use your life in ways you can't even dream. Ezekiel 36, 25 says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And listen, and I will put my spirit within you. That is the power. The baptism of the Holy Spirit came that first Pentecost day upon all the believers, and it wasn't for a choice few. It was for all of us. There is one baptism when the Holy Spirit comes upon you when you are saved. There's many times other than that, there's infilling, and we grow in sanctification and grace, but God treats us equally, and he wants to bless your life with his power today. Bless the church with power. Titus 3.5, He saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by washing of regeneration and renewal, by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Oh, Holy Spirit. Fill us today. We need his power. The next thing of the curriculum is this. Teach faithfulness. And I take that from verses 6 through 8, which is a real interesting thing that happened here with the disciples. I mean, you talk about guys with one-track minds, and you talk about guys who can be off-base on what God is doing. And how prone we are all to do that. The, the early Christians, the Jewish believers, they were convinced that Christ would come and be a political leader. They missed the point. I mean, we all miss the point at times. There's where they missed it. And so their question was, Lord, is this the time you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know times or seasons that 
the Father is fixed by his own authority. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I think the point of that is this. The the church is called to be faithful even at the times when we are confused and, and don't know which way to turn. Even when we ask questions that are off base, off target. Lord, is this the time? You're gonna is this the time of your political kingdom? Politics don't save anyone. The point I want to make is this about the question. There's some things in the work of the church and in the work of our lives that is just mysterious. Amen? You just can't figure it out. Not this side of eternity. We just don't know. God has given us what we need to know to fulfill his will and open doors to the kingdom. But the mystery of all he's doing is in his hands and he'll reveal it in his times and his glory he will not give to another. Church's call is to remain faithful. That is why 1 John 1, chapter 1, verse 1 says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our own eyes, we beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life, we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you. Even though we do not understand it, we proclaim it anyway. I'll tell you in the position of pastor and in the position of educator, I wish I could, have, I wish I could uh, go back and review the questions that were asked to me over the course of time that I didn't have a clue and probably was supposed to know and should have known and should have been deeper in this or that or the other thing, especially the Word. But we grow in the grace of Jesus Christ, but I'm done fearing the mystery. I just want to proclaim what I know the Bible says is true. If I can't explain it, I can't explain it. But this I know, we will talk about and read and expose and explain, explicate and give the exposition of the Scripture just as it is presented and leave the results to God and be faithful anyway. So this is what they were saying. What a, what a curriculum, huh? Teach Jesus. Teach confidence. Teach power. Teach faithfulness. And the final one I would suggest would be this. Teach motivation. So how do you motivate the church? How do you get the church going in the right direction? How do you get the church to be passionate about the calling and the work of the ministry? How do you get people fired up? How do you get people sharing faith in ways they never dreamed they possibly could? Well, here's how Dr. Luke did it. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. How do you motivate the church? Listen, church, the king is coming back. 
We are going to stand before him and give an account for what we did and how we did it. King is coming soon. I thought about this. Uh, this goes back a, a few years now, but I was, I was listening to NBC Nightly News, and they were talking about Newsweek magazine and an article, and an article that, that was going to come out the next day in the magazine. And when they talked about it on the news, I couldn't wait to go the next day and get the magazine because the Newsweek magazine cover said, Apocalypse Now. Tsunamis, earthquakes, nuclear meltdowns, revolutions, economies on the brink. What is next? And I went and I got the magazine and I read it cover to cover. After which I sent this letter to the editor. After, after having heard the advertisement for your March 28th issue of Newsweek, I was excited to get a copy with these words on the front, Apocalypse Now. I read the magazine from cover to cover with great interest. As always, your investigative reporters did a great job in covering the news in general, and these disasters in particular. But for all my searching, for the life of me, I could not find the answer to the question you posed on the cover, what's next? I was very anxious to hear your interpretation of that answer and feel certain your readership not only needs, but deserves the answer. The answer to your question is found in the pages of sacred scripture. It is the question of the ages. It was posed one day just like you have. The disciples of the only one ever qualified to answer the question, the creator himself, Jesus, was asked the what's next question. And Jesus answered with profound clarity so everybody could understand. And the answer is given in Matthew 24, Mark 13, or Luke 21. So if you're inclined not only to ask the question, but answer it too, I commend the truth revealed in God's word. Your readership has a right and a need to know. I'll tell you, friends, he's coming again. If he was not to come again, we'd have a creation without any consummation. We would have a world groaning without the hope of perfection. We would have a Savior who quietly departed and just no demonstration of power afterwards. We'd have a gospel without a final completion. Now, I'll, I'll tell you because I know if I don't tell you, I will have many questions at the end of the service. Did they ever write back? Did they print your letter? The answer is no. I didn't expect him to, did you? And I'll tell you why. The whole world thinks we are crazy. We are not. We know the truth. And the truth is, no matter what anybody proclaims or believes, we know that Jesus will return. And I will tell you, I believe he is standing at the door. Now, the scripture also says, not even Jesus himself knows when he shall return 
only God the Father. That's why the New Testament believers prayed Maranatha. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. He will return. Doesn't matter if they don't believe it or if they mock it like they even did in the New Testament. Where is the promise? We look around and everything is just like it used to be. We don't see. It's not matter what this world thinks. I stand before you under the authority of God's word, telling you that part of kingdom curriculum is to teach the motivation that Jesus is coming again. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, please come and speak to every individual heart right now the way that you would like us each to respond to your word. The altars here are always open. There's people who are willing to pray. There's a, there's a time for reflection. Today we... We speak obviously to the church and, and, and the believers, but in, in every service there, we speak and proclaim to those who maybe don't know yet or haven't heard or here just uh, out of interest or testing the water, so to speak. Thank you, Father, for them here today. And if there's one who wants to give their lives to Christ, the eminent coming King, I, I pray that you would open their minds, bring them to faith today. Pray for the church today. I pray for any who needs to pray for their family or for each other or for the church as a whole. Father, I just pray that by your Holy Spirit now as we sing, do your work among us, transformation and grace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's stand together and proclaim God's truth and believe it as you sing it.
believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we giving us something to believe in, something so sure, something so certain, and we're confident in you this morning, Lord. Like the early church, Lord, may we be confident in our belief. Oh, Lord, we are ever praising you, ever thanking you, ever living for you. May we live Jesus out loud. May we live the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church.